My name is Joshua Edward Wright. I was imprisoned in Portland, Oregon, United States for 50 months. And during that time, I realized that not a lot of people know what we go through. So what I will be offering is personal narrative in the hope that the listener will be able to realize the validity of the statement that no human being belongs in a cage. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the podcast, The Exiled Voice. Today, I have with me Ryan. Ryan, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Ryan. I served 10 months in Florida State Prison in a Quincy Annex of uh, Liberty Prison from uh, during 2011, from February of 2011, and I got out in December of 2011. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'd love to hear if you want to share with the audience kind of the circumstances of your arrest and, you know, how that went. I had a huge fight with my son's mother and uh, she had him in the car and I got on top of the car and the car, she drove and I got back. I got into the station wagon through the back window of the station wagon. And then she got out of the car and I drove the car away from this gas station and the police. I didn't stop for the police and I had been drinking. And so I was arrested for a, a DUI and I, I had a child neglect tampering because I broke cell phone during the fight, fleeing and eluding, aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. And I think I also had assault. And when they, when they arrested you, did it, were you, was that you said you were arrested at a gas station? Well, she drove the car to a gas station. When she got to the gas station, she got out of the car and I was in the back of the car. So I got in the driver's, I, I got into the, the driver's seat and I drove the car away from the gas station. And I was driving it back to our, our house with my son in the car. And I didn't pull over and stop for the police. Did they, did they take you to jail and, you know, processing and all that stuff? And then, you know, how was uh, that going in there? And did you take it to trial? Or did you take a plea agreement or what happened with that? I went in that night and I went into, I was put into the crazy pod. I was on suicide watch for that night. And then I went into, into the crazy pod for about a week. And then I went from the crazy pod to the general population. And then I got bonded out. Uh, and I was bonded out for seven months working. And then I took a plea agreement. I went through three different public defenders in in that time before I fired, hired a private attorney. And I was, I got a year, I was offered nine months and the judge rejected that and gave me a year and six days so that I would go to prison instead of going to county jail. Yeah, I mean, the when you went to prison, I guess, once you took that plea agreement, was it you had to decide <sighs> kind of thing or like what was the alternative that they, that they um, were paying? Well, if I didn't take the plea agreement, which was a year and which was nine, nine months, which became a year and six days, if I didn't take that, then it would have been a minimum of 10 years for the things that I definitely did. So I couldn't challenge the things that I, I, I dispute that I did, like I, I, but I did enough things 
that the minimum mandatory sentences would have been years upon years upon years. So uh, yeah, you have to take you have to take the plea agreement. You don't have a choice. And when you went into to prison for the first time, you said you did did time in Florida. What was kind of you know the feelings going in? How did that? What were you trying to to distract yourself with? Were there like classes, programs, you know, anything that you did to kind of both stay sane and stay safe? I'd love to hear about all that. I wrote a lot. I went in at one, at like 148, right? 148 pounds, five, five, five eleven. So I was very lean. So immediately you begin to work out and immediately you try to get as many calories as you possibly can in you, right? If you want to do, if you want to look at things analytically, right? So that's what I did. And then I wrote and I read and uh, I wrote letters that I, I, I did or didn't send. And I wrote uh, poetry. I hustled poetry. I used to help help the guys write poetry to their moms, and their girlfriends. I, and I never even charged anybody for writing poetry. Just nobody's gonna nobody's gonna beat up the guy that helped him write his mom. A, a, you know, you don't want to tell your mom, "Hey, what happened to that guy that helped you write a poem?" Oh, I beat him up. You know, I don't know. My hustle, my real hustle was was I would buy a, a, a rack of cookies for seventy five cents, and then I could trade that for two soups which was a okay. dollar, you know, soups are standard currency, right? Yeah. And then cigarettes were outlawed halfway through my stay. So that was an interesting change. Everybody started suitcasing in their, their, their cigarettes. Everybody like everybody went out there with plastic gloves. I was in a work camp. So guys would come in with, 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 with literal buttloads full of old tobacco. They would find cigarette butts and break them open and fill their little plastic bags with the cigarette tobacco and then carry it in the, in their uh, suitcase, as it were. That got hot. That got real hot when cigarettes got outlawed. <laughs> yeah. Ask tobacco. There was a, a work crew at the, because I was at, a, at that minimum security mm -hmm. and there was South Fork, which was like a, a camp. And then, but we were at a, we were at a minimum security, but there was still a work crew that went to like the airport mm -hmm. and like nearby areas. Yeah. And there was people bringing in like cocaine occasionally oh, but it was mainly like weed it was mainly like chewing tobacco stuff like that i can't imagine being on cocaine locked in prison like what would you do what would you do <laughs> you'd be hyper pretty much That's clean the it. fuck out of the toilets like yeah. i hope you're a freaking <sighs> floor man is that what they called it floor man you play bocce play bocce ball at uh rack you walk in circles a lot you do a lot of walking in circles and you don't you di you have different options right you either you either don't back down or you submit entirely right and if you don't back down then it's it's a it's a matter of calculations as far as what challenges you you present for yourself and to yourself right or you you don't present any problems and you rub lollipops on your lips until they're red and then you never lack for lollipops again like you find different ways to count. You find optimistic ways to count, right? Like you try to find ways to count down your time in the most like whether what 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 feels better. Does it feel better to say it in weeks? Does it feel better to say it in months? Does it feel better to say it in days? And does that change during the week when when you know it, when it when you cross over from like fifty to forty nine weeks, right? What does that mean? Definitely, I remember that a lot of people chose weeks when they were getting closer and then you know months was the norm 
but and some people had you know years to do then it was like okay i got three years left and that's i mean some people got decades some people just ain't getting out at all so i was lucky i went uh, quincy annex is a fairly soft camp you know you nobody got killed in quincy annex while i was there uh things happened at the union county but uh before i was at a minimum security in in portland oregon and there was a lot of like like little fights and some big ones but the only like true violence um came from illness or like suicide but um yeah i'd love to know also about like did you have visits did you get you know letters did you get you know how how regular were your phone calls you know stuff like that keeping in touch with the outside i never made phone calls because phone calls like that's where a fight's always happened Almost every fight that I saw that wasn't like premeditated on somebody really fucking up came from misunderstandings over phone calls because phone calls get disconnected. Uh, people start expecting their time and they don't get their time and then they, they get out of hand real fast. So I never made phone calls, but I did get a lot of letters and I wrote letters and I had some visitors. I had some, some really good friends that would come to visit and buy a Butterfinger bar. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to know, you know, at your prison, because every prison is different, just like the different side hustles that people got up to. At the ones in my prison, it was like people could get pages of porn printed out pretty much, like from magazines, from like Penthouse and stuff like that. Nice, clever, clever. Yeah, and then we like laminated them, and then we copied them, and then we sold them. And And then, of course, like the drugs... And, and things like that, um, tobacco. Man, no, let's see. There was a guy, somebody, I like the cool hustles. Like, there were always the guys that were selling selling their different stuff. Like, there was a guy, you know, you tattoo somebody with the electric razor. That's, that's the craziest thing I thought was how they would make the ink, man, burning the plastic. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, that to me was always the craziest thing. Like, you would burn plastic and gather the soot and then inject that under your skin and be like, this isn't going to give me cancer. Like what? Like, come on, man. Like that, that always was the craziest thing to me. Dominoes. I like playing a lot of dominoes. I liked watching people bet on bocce. That was a lot of fun. I had a guy who like, if he had a pair of shoelaces, like he could do anything. So dental floss, like, you know, he had old shoes. Like you get, he would get dental floss if he was really lucky and he could braid it and he would use that to stitch his uh, shoes together, but of course needles were outlawed, so you couldn't have a needle. But you know, every, people had needles. You know, yeah. I, I like those hustles. Those were always clever. I, I, I had. There was a guy like there was always like the guys that would make somebody else's bed for soups, right? There was that, and I always thought that it was funny that like there was this one guy who was part of the Aryan Nation that would that would make the bed. Of, of, of a young melanin enhanced gentleman, right? I thought that was really fun. Uh, you know, that that, that, was, that that was okay with his, his Aryan nationness. And just exercise, man, working out like nonstop, right? Like every time you get, every chance you get, you gotta get bigger, you know? You gotta get bigger. Yeah, and there's always someone coming in that's bigger, <laughs> bigger than what you've made so far and so you, yeah, you just keep keep going on that path. I remember also there were people that would like sell pens in like mm. different color ink because it was so rare. 
Oh yeah. Oh, like write letters and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be good. And that was that was interesting for me too. It's just like when I got out, there was there's been packs of pens at like Costco. I was able to go to Costco a few times, and they had like 32 pack of different different colored gel pens. And I was like, you know how much this would go for in prison? That's like a hundred dollars right there. A radio man, like the radio, like the that was that was the most prized possession. It was a good radio back in the day. Um, yeah, I remember listening to like this this like oldies rock station yeah and this and then there was like a classical music station and stuff like that that really got me through it i used to think man god that stupid song i got to move like jagger i thought that song was i got i got to move my dragon i've got to move (laughs) my dragon and i was like that's pretty cool this guy's got to move his dragon i don't know what the fuck that means (laughs) but i'm all right with it man maybe his dragon's double parked you know, maybe it's in a loading zone. Maybe that's just what he's calling his Johnson and he's got to dance. When I found out that the real line was I've got the moves like Jagger, real disappointed. I'm going to tell you, man. <laughs> I, I, I was really sad about that. But I listened to a lot of that, a lot of Adele, man. That was the year of Adele walking in circles, man. I got, I exposed, uh, exposed, like I was stuck at these different places for extra time, like for no, for no decent reason, just like, I was stuck in county bef- too long before I got transferred out to uh, processing. And then I was stuck in processing too long because I'm a Canadian citizen. And so ICE had to talk to me, right? Immigration had yeah. to talk to me because I'm a Canadian citizen and a U.S. citizen. That was fun. I, I got to translate for all the all, all the uh, Mexican guys that that couldn't speak English. So which I knew and I know like just enough Spanish to work in a in a restaurant. I exposed a bunch of guys that were, were stealing stuff in the transfer place where people would go through really fast. Got punched punched in the face a couple times for that. That was fun. By a guy outweighed me by like 70 pounds. That was exciting. This stuff we endure, man. A person that I did three and a half years of times with, mm-hmm. he was there with me almost since I got to the prison. I, I, I did a like 50 months, a little bit more than four years, but there was a person named Pavel Bobko and he and I did a lot of time together. We, I considered him a friend and yeah. we just did a lot of stuff, had a few classes and stuff together. And he, like right before he was set to release, ICE came and got him as well because he was a Russian national. Oh, yeah. And, and like he had done all his time here and then like at the end of it went into ICE. And so like he has to restart that whole process. Grind you up, man. They grind you up. It's just now it's just, you know, it's just your name pops up on a computer screen and then you just get chugged along for one. Nobody knows what, nobody knows why. They're just chewing you up, man. They're just chewing people up. That's all. I was really lucky. I got uh I got out and I had I had my job waiting for me still. I was blessed, super blessed. Because my an old friend from high school was my boss. And uh, there was a guy that his his mom worked there. He got out at the same time that I did, and he never he never he was back in within months. He's ground up. And of course, he liked meth, so that doesn't help. If you like meth, it doesn't. Yeah, not in this country. But yeah, I'd love to know. You know, since you hinted at well, you didn't hint. You, you talked a little bit about your release. I'd love to know more about how that went for you, and you know what you're focusing on now, and st- and stuff you've done. You know, since then, I got out. So it was 10, 10 years ago, 
almost exactly 10 years ago, right? I went back to my job, man. I was, and I just followed the rules, man. I was just really scared. I had five years of probation. Uh, I had a lot of felonies, right? And I had a judge that wanted to, to brutalize me, right? And basically, like, he told me that if, you know, if I came back, if he saw me again, because he didn't want to take, he didn't want to give me what the, the time that he gave me. Uh, he thought that he was too lenient. And I was just terrified, which was, you know, I'm I, as crazy as I, as, I, as I am and as big an idiot, as, as ridiculous as I am. You know, following the rules, it's not always been my favorite thing to do. But to adhere to the rules with sort of the, the terrified passion that I did for so long helped, right? And so I worked at a corporation. And I, I moved up, la, la, la. And I, was a, I worked in food science. And I was a technician and an analyst. And now I'm a technical training manager for the North American branch of this food testing company. So that's, I make decent, good money. And, and I'm are doing, you doing pretty are well? Are you still you know? in Florida, or are you back in in Canada, or where are you? No, I'm still in Florida. I've lived in 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 Florida since I was about two years old. So I was born in Newfoundland, Canada. I was actually also kind of secondary secondary question, but I was wondering, you know, is there any like specific barriers uh, that you had to kind of endure, you know, as you've been out? I know you talked a little bit just about you know, you had a job waiting and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, like for me, I can't, I can't pass a background check for anything. There you, you know, go. My felon status. There you so go. Just, you're, yeah. you're screwed, man. I'm not like, I, I, I'm so sick of this job that I have right now, but I, I, you know, I can't leave it. They're going to, you know, how it's going to, I can't leave it until I find something really well established. Right. Because what am I going to do? The, and the, for me, the biggest thing is that I just, I feel a wall whenever I'm talking to people, right? Because, you know, I'm really upset about what, <laughs> what my crimes are, right? And I think that my crimes are particularly shameful, right? Because they involve a, a fight with, my wife or my son's mother, right? My, my son was present, like, and I find that to be very shameful. And so whenever I'm talking to people, right, for, for this, for any of that to come up, and so just talking to people, meeting people, getting to know people, as you share stories and tell stories about, you know, where you've been, like, I just have this uh, vacant space that I don't, I don't want to come up. Does that make sense? You know, and so on whatever it is, I don't, you know, looking for another job. Like if I didn't have the job that I had waiting for me, I have no idea. I'd probably be at Waffle House, right? And not to knock Waffle House. Waffle House is fantastic. I, I was, I mean, that, that all makes sense. I don't, like if I had a job waiting for me as well, I think I would be a lot better off. It took me yeah. like years to kind of get on my feet. Yeah. But, and that's just, you know, the way kind of design the system is set up you get fifty dollars right clothes that don't fit and a bus ticket is what you get in florida well we got in in portland at the and i think it's different for each prison here uh but the oh. one that i released from you got like a set of clothes mm -hmm. and a bus ticket that only goes downtown in order <laughs> to check in with your parole officer and that's it you don't get like anything else you don't get wow anything. nothing 
That's interesting. I thought Portland or Oregon would be a little more progressive than that. <laughs> I did too. F- Florida's like $50. What kind of, when you get a set of clothes, did you get shoes or did you get Crocs? Like, because you'll you get can, clothes, but Crocs. You can get shoes if people like bring them in for you. Mm-hmm, but otherwise okay. you issued those shoes that have like no shock absorbent stuff. And it like always hurt, hurts your feet to walk down the road. Like that type of stuff. Well, at least there's shoes. We'd get Crocs. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you'd be going like, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to start a new life on this $50. I'm going to fight. I'm going to nail a job and get paid. <laughs> I'm going to live off this $50 until I get paid with these Crocs on, you know, <laughs> everybody's going to want to hire me. Yeah, uh, but you know it's 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 prison for profit. So you know. that was, and I don't know if you want to answer this, and we can kind of edit this out if you don't. But if do you still have like any type of contact with your son, or like is that not attainable for you? I for I didn't see him for three years. I didn't see him for three years, right? So that was the worst of everything. I didn't. I was his primary caregiver. I was always taking care of him. We were always together, you know. And uh, at the time, my son came along, right? I was trying to write the perfect poem and drink myself to death, and I was pretty okay with that. And then uh, I had him, and that was that was different and better. And then, uh, then, and he was he was for three years. He was gone. And for going to prison, I wrote a lot of good poetry when I was in prison. I I had a lot of experiences and stories because I went to a soft camp and I was there for 10 months, right? I had a a taste of it. It it was bitter. It didn't taste good, but it didn't, you know, and did it impact me? I don't know. I still feel like I build my my cell around me, you know, and I have my, my yard, my walking space, right? So maybe I'm still in prison, maybe... Maybe, but uh, even the pain of not seeing him for three years, I could, I could turn into poetry, right, for myself, and maybe I could make that okay after enough time. But the, 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 again, like the shame of it is the injury that it did to him, right. For me, there's no absolution for that. You know, for me, there's only the prayer that somehow, and I don't know how, but I I can redeem it. And that through seeing him succeed, that that will redeem it. And, And by him never having to make the kind of mistakes, same mistakes that I've made could redeem it. Because I don't think uh, there's nothing there's nothing that I can personally achieve for myself that can redeem it. But yeah, he's doing very well now. He's got straight A's. He cost me five hundred dollars last semester. He's sixteen. He's he's doing very well. He's doing very well, which is awesome. It took a while, you know. There's a lot of anger for a while. I was his old dad. That was that was tough. Took a lot of, I had to go to a counselor. He saw the counselor, I saw the counselor until the counselor decided that it was better for the two of us to see each other again, you know, get 
the his mother was claiming that he was traumatized. The counselor said that he wasn't traumatized. I was lucky. Okay, I was lucky. Generationally, you know, like you said, it's kind of like gradual improvement. If if he can <laughs> not make the same mistakes, you know, that's kind of that that's that's the purpose. That's the you know what we try to do: bring life into the world, make it a little bit better. You know. So, At least he didn't yeah. rob a stagecoach. You know, I didn't rob a stagecoach. That's what supposedly my great grandfather did. Slow improvement, man. Right, <laughs> bit by bit, bit by bit. But yeah, I mean, I really, really appreciate, you know, you being on the show. Is there anything you know I haven't touched on, or anything you want to kind of leave the audience with before we wrap up? Acorns, man. Acorns. That's we got to bring the acorn back. Other than that, like control what you can control. Like if the system, if the system has you in its teeth, surrender and submit, control what you can control. And once you're free, be free, you know, be free again and, and, and know that you're free because you'll, you can easily, the tiger, the tiger rebuilds its cage, you know, after it's been freed. You don't need to do that. That was a bunch of rambling. You can take whatever you want. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's 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 so I was in for such a short time compared to so many other people, you know, and so I don't want to make light of much greater challenges than, than what I had. Yeah, I appreciate your kind of awareness of that. And it's 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 really almost refreshing that you still are able to look back and, and understand that, you know, how how much like the gravity of suffering is in this country for, for people like us that have done time and that like I got out, you got out. Like a lot of people are not ever getting out. I mean, you see him, you see him in blue, like you feel it, right? You see it, you feel it. Like, I mean, that's imprinted on you day after day after day. Those clothes, like taking the showers, all like guards just being able to say and do and treat you any way that they want to. Right. People measuring you up, trying to figure out what they can get, you know, Mm -hmm. having to stand up, seeing like how, how, how straight you can stand to see how tall you can look, you know. I'm really glad we made it out of there. You know what I'm saying? Yep. 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 Now I'm going to go cry somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Fuck. That's good. You got to get that out, man. That's good. That's healthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just wish you could do more. You know, that's the fucking yeah. thing. Like, because you can't, you get out and like you're on probation, right? So you have all these people that you know and these promises, but you're not even allowed to contact them, really. Like, you want to like do stuff for people and reach back, but like you're on probation, like you can't be sending letters to people in prison. They cement those barriers, make it so hard to to stay in touch or you know, do anything positive, share anything good. You know, it's like, not only are we separated from our family and friends and stuff like that on the street, but we're like, once we get out, we're separated from the people that we develop bonds with over time while we were in, you know? Yeah. You gotta wonder where all of, it's not like there's a fucking yearbook, you know? What if there was a, like a yearbook, <laughs> you know, or something just to see these guys? Because Jesus Christ, you, I mean, they're like, you wake up, you see him as much as you see your brothers or your sisters or even more, you know, every day. I don't know how, whether you had a dorm or individual cells, you know, we had a dorm, so we're all together. 
Yeah, we had 80 man dorms. Yeah. And we were like 24 7, like with people. Yeah. Just trying to not kill everybody. (laughs) Everybody, everybody. And there's like the different people that just yell, like for no reason. Yeah, when there was like championships and stuff, like there was, it was so loud in the unit. People had that big TV on. Mm-hmm. We were watching like some type of championship game. Like you couldn't hear like a conversation on the other side of the unit. I couldn't, I couldn't watch TV, man. I, I almost never watched cause I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand to see women. I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't dude. I was in there for only 10 months. I didn't jack off the entire time, man. Excuse me. Excuse me. Edit that out if you want, but I never, I never, I never, no, nothing, nothing for 10 fucking months, man. That was it. I couldn't bear to see a woman. Like it ached. It hurt too much. <laughs> I didn't watch TV except for like when the Eagles played football. That was it. I yeah. I mean, I remember because we had volunteers and stuff, you know, and like oh. college students and stuff like that. And it was rough because like you know that no matter you roped how much, off, man. Yeah, and like no matter even if they have an attraction too, like you can't. There's nothing either one of you can do about any of that. And they like, can do anything they want. You're gonna get roped. <laughs> you're gonna get roped off, though, man. It was tough. It was tough. That's that's the thing that <laughs> would be more talked about too. Is how that kind of twists and distorts and warps like a healthy sexuality. Oh yeah. It, it like inhibits you from ever fulfilling any need associated with it. Yeah. For an, like a great deal of time. Yeah. Or or you find other ways, you know. Nothing wrong with finding other ways, like. But I just froze it, man. I froze it for ten. I started having. I had three wet dreams. That was, and I just when I did, it was the closest I ever got to getting in trouble because I woke up and I just went straight for the showers and just washed off. Like fuck, and it was not shower time. It was like it was me breaking. That was when I broke the rules, man. It was when I had to wash that shit off. Like nothing sexy about that place, man. There was just nothing sexy about about that place to me. And that's the thing, man. It's like, I don't, if they want people to like be adjusted and be rehabilitated and stuff they, like, yeah. and they deny basic human needs, like to such a great degree, like even flirting and stuff like that. Like we couldn't even hug each other, let alone yeah. like do anything with anyone else. And like that messes people up. Like that's a basic human need. You know what I mean? Like that's like a permanent damage. Like I still, struggle with like communication like being touched you know stuff like that yeah like it's rough i don't like to i won't eat in the middle of the restaurant right yep and like yeah certain things like i don't want you feeding me through a slot (laughs) like i don't care like i don't like a buffet (laughs) like i put my tray down i like have a tray don't give me any of that stuff man sticks in there yeah man i mean we're a little bit over time but i yeah again i, I really appreciate it you know I, I reached out found you on a, a reddit poetry sub so like this of all places like that's the coolest thing that it, i think has happened so far there was one person i found on my podcast from australia that did time over there that's and he cool. just like found me and emailed me that was that was different but like I, it's really cool that you know the work i'm doing with this leads me to people like you you know I'm, I'm really happy that you're on the show you know you shared your story and stuff with us so you know once again i appreciate you 
Well, actually, just kind of secondary, do you have like links that people can go to to either like read your poetry or just like stay in touch with you if they want? You can look me up on Facebook. Like you can see my name there. Like you can look up like you saw me on Reddit, you know, as Festus Papyrus. Like I have a book out there somewhere on Amazon. Like there's other stuff that's under the name of Festus Papyrus There's stuff that's under different names, you know uh there's poetry in different places i think there's like uh, what unlikely stories that's a guy who's published some of my poetry before that's a cool jonathan penton does that unlikely stories that's cool if, if you if i can plug anything i would plug my book which is Seder Day, which is fantastic but if you google festus papyrus Seder Day, Seder Day. Okay. It's, na- it's a nasty beautiful book <laughs> it's the book it's the book that we need for now yeah. Yeah, just once again, thank you very much for me and, you know, everything else. All right, man. Keep it up, man. You're doing good work. You're doing good stuff. All right, brother. God bless.